Welcome to Decrypt, Asia's first blockchain and cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Tushar. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Asian blockchain scene with investors, technologists, and industry insiders. Go to decrypt.asia to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram to join in the discussions. Welcome to the show, Edgar. Thanks, Tushar. Thanks for having me here. Before we jump into Hashgraph, let's set the context a little bit, starting with your introduction and background. You've had a very interesting career from what I could tell. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you ended up as Hadera Hashgraph's Asia head? Uh, yeah, sure. So I, I grew up in Singapore, um, then went to, after my national service, went to Carnegie Mellon for my undergrad. Uh, and after that, worked at uh, at one of the top investment banks as a bond trader. Uh, I was there for about seven years. And uh, I left the financial services industry in 2010. And um, one of the things I did was I, um, I spent about two years in West Africa, in Ghana, building up a nonprofit. Um, and then, um, you know, since 2012, I've been investing and advising uh, early stage tech companies. You know, I've been looking at the, the DLT space for about two and a half years now uh, from an investor standpoint. Uh, was very excited about the technology uh, or, about, or about the potential uh, of, the, of the space, but saw a lot of limitations with the existing technologies. So when I was introduced to the Hashgraph technical white paper, this was June of last year in 2017, I was just blown away by, uh, by what Dr. Lehman Baird, our co-founder, had created with, uh, with the Hashgraph consensus algorithm. Um, so uh, I was very excited about the technology that they had created. Uh, I was also, also very impressed with the co-founders, uh, Mance Harmon and, and Dr. Lehman Baird. Uh, um, and I decided that I wanted to be a part of their journey. And so I joined the company uh, October of last year, uh, moved back home to Singapore, and uh, and I run the Asia Pacific region for the company. Awesome. I'm just curious, what was the motivation behind start, starting the nonprofit? Um, sure. Well, this this uh, goes back to to my time uh, when I was in university. I had spent a lot of time uh, traveling uh, around the world, and um, you know, went to uh, a lot of developing countries and uh, it made me realize that, you know, being born in Singapore and, um, you know, getting the opportunity to go to university in the U.S. that I was, I was quite privileged. Um, and there were a lot of people in, in the world that didn't have the opportunities that, that I was born with. So uh, it was, I was motivated uh, at that point to, to really do something at some point in my life to uh, create opportunities for other people that, that were not born with the same opportunities that I was born with. All right, that's, that's quite fascinating. So moving on to Hedera Hashgraph. So as far as I understand, Hashgraph is the name of the consensus mechanism. And this consensus, right? And so this consensus mechanism is being leveraged in a permissioned or private setting by a company called Swirls. And Hedera oh. is the public ledger. That, that is correct. So 
Swirls, uh, and, and maybe just to, to touch a little bit on, on the history of, of Hashgraph and, and how we've uh, evolved over time. So uh, Lehman, uh, in, in, two in 2012, uh, went to work on this problem. And by this problem, I mean distributed consensus at scale. And, um, and he wanted to build a, a consensus algorithm that was both secure and very specifically uh, attain uh, a level of security uh, called asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerance, which is the highest level of security possible in distributed consensus, um, which, has, which was achieved uh, 30 years ago um, uh, in this voting-based algorithm. But, but the problem with the voting-based algorithm was that it was uh, unscalable. It, it, it took up too much bandwidth uh, for votes to be passed over a network. Um, and so, uh, Lehman uh, spent years trying to come up with a, a solution that was ABFT, uh, but scalable. And, and, for, and he went down rabbit hole after rabbit hole and, and at times convinced himself that it was impossible. Uh, but then in 2015, he had a breakthrough and, and the breakthrough is what we now call Hashgraph. And um, so, he invented Hashgraph in 2015. Uh, he incorporated uh, the company Swirls uh, in late 2015 to commercialize Hashgraph. Uh, 2016 was spent fine-tuning the technology, uh, also uh, filing the patents for Hashgraph and publishing the, the technical white paper for the Hashgraph consensus algorithm. And then in, in 2017, um, Manson Lehman went out to uh, pitch to enterprise clients, um, and it's been uh, since then. It's been used by by various enterprise clients uh, to build private permission ledgers. Uh, the most notable uh, enterprise client is uh, CU Ledger, which is the credit union consortium um, in the U.S. So there's six thousand credit unions in the in the U.S. serving over hundred million members. Uh, and they, they selected Hashgraph to build uh, a series of distributed applications on top of. Um, and in, in late 2017, Manson Lehman felt that they had enough market validation uh, to think about building a, a public ledger on top of the Hashgraph consensus algorithm. So uh, earlier this year in March, uh, at an event in New York, we announced Hedera Hashgraph which is the public ledger uh, built on top of Hashgraph consensus. That sounds like a good evolution of how, you know, the consensus mechanism kind of evolved as well as, you know, more on the business aspect in terms of kind of starting in a more permissioned or private manner and then kind of moving it to the public um, or permissionless <clears throat> um, world. Uh, could you talk a little bit more about the motivation of actually creating a public ledger in addition to a private ledger. Why not just yeah. operate in that uh, permissioned world and why try to make it permissionless? Sure. Well, the, the way we see it is that there are, there are going to be use cases um, where a, a private ledger is better served for, uh, as well as certain use cases where a, a public ledger is, is better suited for as well. And so we wanted to be able to um, provide um, the, the technology for, for both of these use cases or, or both types of use cases. 
Okay. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what are the kind of applications that have been running on the permission ledger? You mentioned one of the enterprise clients, which was Credit Union, which is a consortium of, um, uh, you know, credit, essentially the Credit Union consortium, which has been running on the permission ledger, but some of the other clients that have been running and what that experience has been like. Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, like I mentioned, the, the credit unions, um, you know, they, they have a, uh, and it's not just focused on payments, but they have a whole series of uh, applications and use cases there that they're building on top of Hashgraph consensus. Uh, but in addition to that, we also have a, a company called uh, Intiba Health uh, that is building um, a credentialing application for healthcare professionals. And yeah, I, you know, their experience, uh, I mean, they're, they're basically se selecting Hashgraph because of our properties of uh, speed, security, and, and fairness. Um, so I think this is, this is something that may be quite important for us to, to dive a little bit deeper too. So um, the, the property of Hashgraph, the properties of Hashgraph um, over some of the other consensus algorithms are uh, speed. So, um, you know, we're hitting cryptocurrency transactions of uh, over 100,000 transactions per second. Uh, and that's in a, in a single shard. Um, I've talked about um, our security, uh, which is, uh, it attains this level uh, of security called asynchronous Byzantine fault tolerance or ABFT, uh, the highest level of security possible in distributed consensus. And, and Hashgraph also introduces for the first time in DLT, the concept of fairness. Uh, and by that, I mean that there's no member of the network that can affect the order of the transactions that enter into the, uh, into the ledger. Um, so, so the combination of speed, security, and fairness um, allows for uh, or introduces uh, new use cases that, that just were not possible before uh, on, on other blockchain technologies. Um, so, um, when, when we talk about why clients are, are building applications, uh, whether that's on a permission ledger or on a, or on a public ledger, you know, these properties are, are the reasons why they're, they're coming to us. Um, and, and so you know, anything that, that can be built on, uh, on blockchain can be built on, on Hashgraph. And we also you know, uh, allow for uh, a lot of other new applications to be made possible. Right. So I think broadly speaking, there are a few problems that exist within the public blockchain ecosystem today. You mentioned some of them. So scalability or speed, as you mentioned, is one of them. Uh, security is one of them or robustness of the smart contracts. Um, some of the other ones are kind of interoperability, privacy. One of the problems that you guys are trying to solve is that of governance. And I think that is highly, highly underrated in today's context, but it's also one of the most interesting problems that exists within uh, the blockchain ecosystem today. So I, I want to kind of d deep dive into the governance and how you guys are trying to solve that problem in terms of a combination of on-chain and off-chain governance. Um, could you elaborate in your own words how the governance mechanism works within, uh, within Hedera? Sure. And that's a, and, and that's a great question. So, um, you know, maybe just to take a step back, what, what we're building with uh, Hedera is a platform for the mainstream where multinational corporations and governments 
uh, will be building applications on, on this platform. Um, and, um, you know, performance and, and security, uh, as you mentioned, are, are critical uh, uh, limitations right now of, uh, of, of why the mainstream isn't building on a public ledger. Uh, and that, and that uh, last piece is, uh, is governance. And so what we're doing there, and we took inspiration from uh, Visa, uh, the credit card company. So, so Visa was started in the 1960s uh, by a gentleman named D. Hawk. And uh, he wrote a book called One From Many, detailing how he was able to put together a, a governance model in place to bring together a group of uh, competing banks uh, to, to, to build up this, uh, this network. Um, so we took inspiration from that. And, and what that means for us is uh, a council of 39 of the largest, most trusted corporations from around the world. They're geo-distributed across, across the globe and across many industry verticals. So we're actually targeting 18 different uh, industry verticals um, so that there's no uh, company that will be concentrated within one region or, or one industry. Um, and, and these are best-in-class companies within their industry as well as their geography. Um, so at, at this point, we have 20-something uh, letters of intent uh, signed by some of the largest companies in the world. Uh, and we are we're now in the, in the process of uh, converting those LOIs uh, into, uh, into signatures in the full membership agreement. And, and we've started to do that already. Um, so the... Yeah, so the idea is that this, uh, this governing body, um, you know, the, the public ledger isn't owned by, uh, really isn't owned by any one party. Uh, Swirls, will be, Swirls will be one of the 39 members, but it has, uh, it has no more uh, voting power than any of the other 38 members. Um, so the idea is to, to build a, a governance model that is, uh, that is capable, um, and still, still distributed uh, and decentralized. Okay, so just diving a little bit deeper into that. So you have this something what is called uh, a quote-unquote a council governance, which is the thirty-nine companies that you mentioned about. You mentioned that there are nineteen companies already that have signed LOIs. Are you able to name these companies? Uh, not at the moment. Um, it's, it's actually twenty-something companies, uh, but so we can't name them a, at the moment. Uh, but you know, you can you can expect some announcement uh, at some point over the next few months. Are you able to give an indication of what those companies could be? Like, are they in the you know, are they Fortune five hundred companies or? Oh yeah, these are these are these are Fortune five hundred companies. Uh, these are brand names that, that everyone would have uh, would have heard of. Um, and we're talking about companies in in tech in in law, in uh, banking, in uh, consulting, uh, really across uh, the globe and, and across many different industries. Okay, and so the other uh, component, and so this can be kind of classified as off-chain governance. Um, the other um, sort of framework that you have as part of the governance mechanism is the on-chain uh, governance mechanism, which you call the consensus model. Um, which is the actual right. adding of transactions onto the quote-unquote blockchain, even though you guys are not technically a blockchain. 
Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Who the nodes are going to be? Would there be an overlap between these 39 companies and the nodes? Or are, anyone can become a node? What is the expected number of nodes? Could you give a little bit of yep, flavor in terms of like how the, the second aspect or second part of the governance mechanism is going to look like? Sure, that, that's a great question. So uh, initially, uh, the platform will start out with uh, the 39 council members as the initial nodes. Uh, but over time, um, as, uh, as the network continues to scale, uh, we will open it up so that uh, basically anyone can, can run a node on the network. So in and, and longer term, we expect to have uh, thousands, if not millions of nodes on the network so that it is completely uh, distributed. Um, so I'm just curious, I mean, uh, what would incentivize miners or nodes or other validators beyond these 39 council members to hold um, tokens or to validate transactions because they might not have a huge say in where the network progresses over a period of time since they don't have that sort of quote unquote board, the 39 board seats that are present. I mean, I'm, I'm just curious if you think there's going to be an issue with attracting some of the other validators or other Miners. Yeah, I, we we don't see uh, we don't see any issues. Um, we basically the the nodes on the network uh, will be compensated for uh, for contributing to consensus on the network. So so the network does follow a, a proof of stake model uh, in that you uh, if you're running a node you you have to to own some tokens uh, sitting in the wallet uh, in order to um, to to contribute to consensus. So, yeah. uh, unlike in a in a permission ledger where you have one note, one vote uh, to calculate consensus, in in the public ledger you need um, you you can no longer have one note, one vote because then someone could stand up a, a thousand or a million nodes on a network and and disrupt consensus. So you need another scarce resource, and in this case or in our case, um, it is the token. So it is, it is one token, one vote uh, on the network to, to calculate consensus. So um, going back to your question, the, the nodes will be, will be compensated for, for contributing to, to consensus. Um, and I think what we've, we've found as far as, um, you know, whether nodes want to have uh, a, a say in, in the governance or not, um, you know what we what we expect that it is that as as you're making complex decisions for for a platform, right? And this this industry and, and this platform certainly has uh, has levels of complexity to it. It um, it helps to have uh, a set of of expert um, members that are that are making these uh complex decisions for the platform right so so that's where um you know that's why we think that this this council of the 39 is better suited uh to make decisions for the platform than if the decision making was was just distributed to to everyone in the in the network so we we consider this so we call this uh open consensus and permission governance Okay, I think that's a very fair way to put it. And I promise this is my last question on the governance aspect and we can move on to some other topics 
um, as well. Um, in terms of the term of these companies or like the governance of these 39 companies itself, um, are they going to be sitting on uh, sort of a, I mean, the way I'm picturing it in my head is like, this is sort of like you get, there are 39 board seats and there are 39 board members, even though there might be hierarchies within these companies, uh, within these 39 companies, um, is there going to be a certain fixed like time limit of how long you can occupy one of these 39 seats or is it based on how much of a, how much stake or how much skin in the game you have? Like what is going to determine like who sits, who gets to sit on the, like who are these 39 companies? Like who's picking these 39 companies? That, that's, that's a great question. So uh, the initial 39 will be picked by, uh, by Swirls. And, and that's why we're, we're in the process of, of recruiting this, uh, this first 39. Um, they all have, uh, they serve three-year terms and, and they can serve no more than two consecutive terms at a time. So, so they, uh, to further, um, um, you know, make sure that, that there's, you know, that there's not going to be collusion between uh, the council members. These members do have to rotate out uh, over time. So, um, yeah, like I said, uh, three-year terms, no more than two consecutive terms, and we expect uh, uh, about a third of the, the council will turn over each year. Okay, um, so I want to ask you one more tough question, which you may or may not get very often. So I get the feeling that even though that um, Hajara's ledger might be public, there are elements within the network which have some elements of being permissioned or private. So there's patents, there's off-chain governance limited to 39 corporations. Um, so essentially it can be you can call it a public blockchain because the ledger is public, but do you think that in the general sense of public blockchain, Hedera Hashgraph could be classified as a public blockchain as well? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we are, uh, we, you know, we, we expect that we'll be the, the most uh, decentralized platform uh, out there. And, and we've, we've already talked about uh, the, the nodes on, on the network uh, being able and, and anyone uh, over time being able to stand up nodes on the network. Uh, but if you look at, at our governance uh, model, uh, if, you, if you compare it to governance structures in, in other public ledgers, um, a lot of the time uh, the decisions for the platform are made by a, a very small group of, uh, of individuals, right? Uh, so to be able to to, to have um, a governance council that's split across the globe, across many different industry verticals, you know that's that's more decentralized than, than many of the other uh, platforms uh, out there. Okay, I think that's a very fair point. I mean, I think some of the biggest public blockchains that exist out there have like you rightly pointed, very, very few individuals were actually driving um, the directions in which these um, blockchains progress to. So I think, I think that's a fair point in terms of having these corporations who are, um, I mean, again, you know, I mean, one could, one could argue that there's a lot of centralization within these corporations as well. But I think, you know, since it's fairly globally distributed and distributed across industries, 
you obtain certain levels of decentralization. So I think that's a pretty fair point. Um, what do you make of, there are certain um, ideological differences between people who say that code should not be patented, it should be open source. You guys are not open source, but you have good reasons to not be open source. What are your thoughts on that? Right, that's, um, that, that's a great question. So um, Hashgraph or, or Hadera Hashgraph uh, will be open review. And, and by that, I mean um, when we open up the, the network to the public, which is expected to be uh, around March of next year, we will publish the entire source code on GitHub, uh, not hiding anything. Um, so any developers can, um, can view the source code. They can uh, suggest changes or improvements to the source code. So, um, so Hashgraph or Hedera Hashgraph will continue to benefit from uh, the open innovation of, um, of open source, right? But, uh, and what we're doing with the patent is we are using it as a governance tool to, pre to prevent forking of the ledger. So one thing that um, you, know, you, you can see in a lot of the, they've experienced forks. And when you think about um, the mainstream, uh, this forking uh, introduces instability or, or chaos into, into the public ledgers. Uh, if you are uh, a manager at a, at a multinational corporation um, thinking of launching an IoT application on a public ledger, you want to make sure that, that this public ledger isn't going to, to fork in, in three months, right? Because that introduced this instability. So, so we are using the, the patent to, to provide stability to the platform, but at the same time, uh, you know, anyone can view the source code and, and make sure that uh, everything works and we're not hiding anything. Um, and, and that's, uh, you know, when you think about what it takes to, uh, to have a, a public ledger for the mainstream, uh, stability is, is one critical piece of that. Okay, that's interesting. So who would you say are your competitors in today's landscape? <laughs> well, to be, to be honest, uh, you know, we... You don't have competitors, obviously. <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't say that, but uh, we, we don't... Um, for us, you know, the, the Hashgraph consensus algorithm is, you know, objectively superior to... Uh, to the other consensus algorithms that, that exist in the marketplace. Um, and, and I would say that uh, for us, we, we care, you know, our, our focus is, is really on just delivering the, delivering the best product we, we can. Um, you know, one of the, one of the areas that, um, you know, we are, we are focusing on um, going forward is, you know, we, we realize we may have the best technology, but other platforms have, uh, because they've been around for a longer period of time, they've had deeper communities um, within their ecosystem. So, so one of the things that, um, you know, as we, as we try to improve and, and uh, build up our, our platform over time, one of the things that we're focusing on is how do we, how do we get to, uh, to the types of uh, community sizes uh, that some of the other platforms out there have. Uh, 
Um, and, and that's something that we'll, you know, well, we're dedicating a lot of our resources to going forward. Okay. And so again, again, not to put you on the spot, but like ideologically speaking, would you identify, you know, so I think you've got things like uh, IBM Hyperledger or the R3 Coda on one end of the spectrum. And then you have something like an Ethereum, which is trying for like sovereign grade resistance um, on the other end of the spectrum. Where would you say Hajara Hashgraph kind of falls on that spectrum in terms of, because I think you're, you guys are somewhere in the middle. You guys are not aiming to, you know, sort of be completely permissioned and, and be on, you know, the hyperledger side, but you're not also on, you know, the Ethereum side. So, but would you say you're close, more closely aligned to one of these two? Which side would you fall on if you had to answer that question? Well, can you, can you repeat that, that question again uh, um, in, 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 the, in the two sides? Can you yes. elaborate so on that a little bit? So there's, there's a completely permissioned side, right? Which is um, you've got Hyperledger built by the IBM. Right. You've got Corda yep. built by R3. Um, and so that's one end of the spectrum where it's, you know, it's a completely permissioned environment. On, and on the other hand, you have something like Ethereum, which is aiming Ethereum, which is aiming for sovereign grade resistance. So like, I don't think you guys are going for sovereign grade resistance, right? Tomorrow, if governments say that you need to kind of shut down because, you know, this, this, you know, and, and I know, and I, I want to speak about the KYC AML checks that you guys do as well, because you guys are trying to make sure that you're compliant. And so we can talk about that. But I think if governments tomorrow want to bring down Hedera Hashgraph, they could probably do so and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but on this spectrum of like Hyperledger versus Ethereum, like which side would you lean on towards more from an ideological perspective? I, I see. Well, we are, so our focus and, and we realize that we're, we're not going to be all things to, to all people, but our focus is just building a platform for the mainstream, right? Where, where multinational corporations and governments, uh, can build applications and mission critical applications on this platform. Um, so, so that is, that is our focus. And, and remember we, we have swirls that, that continues to focus on, on the private permission ledger side of the, uh, the industry and, and Hedera is, is the public ledger, right? But if we're talking about, uh, specifically Hedera, then it, it really is, um, yeah, we, it really is just building a, a platform for the mainstream. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that there is, um, you know, there is anywhere we, I mean, it, yeah. I, I guess if you, if you talk about the entire spectrum, um, swirls will be on, on one end and then Hedera will be on, on the Got other it. end the, yeah. of the spectrum that you described. Yeah, that makes, that makes complete sense. Uh, so you mentioned one of the words, which was mainstream, which kind of, uh, caught my attention. Um, so let's talk about regulatory compliance and how important it is to take this industry and this ecosystem mainstream. And so one of the things that you're trying to do is you're provisioning for KYC AML checks in, in the network. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, well, I, I think that, um, you know, to, to build a platform for the mainstream, you have to follow regulations. So, um, we have spent a, a lot of time with the regulators 
and, and just making sure that we are compliant. Um, and so, you know, they, these are, these are ongoing conversations and, um, and, and this is something that we, we pay very close attention to. Um, as far as, um, KYC and, and AML, uh, well, I, I'll, I'll say this, um, you know, in our fundraising process, which, uh, closed, uh, sometime in the middle of August, uh, throughout our entire fundraising process, uh, we, uh, because we were following regulations, we, we could only uh, raise funding from uh, accredited investors. Uh, there were certain countries that, that we couldn't take money from. Uh, China was one of them. Russia was another. Vietnam was another one. Malaysia was another one. Um, and, and every single investor that, uh, that purchased our tokens had to go through uh, this KYC process. Um, and, you know, I think you can expect that moving forward uh, as a platform, we want to always stay uh, compliant uh, with the regulators um, or around the world. Okay. Um, so let's talk about it, adoption a little bit. So you mentioned that you guys are going live in March of 2019 next year. You also mentioned that you have certain, um, big partnerships or LOIs that have been signed with some of the bigger corporations. Um, could you give us an indication of what kind of projects are going to be built on top of your platform? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so, so far we have had uh, 20 something companies that have put out press releases uh, that they'll be launching their applications on on our platform. Uh, so those are the ones I can, I can talk quite openly about. Um, so we have, let's see, Carbon Money, that's a, that's a stable coin, uh, Hero FM. They are a, a music uh, streaming uh, application that will utilize uh, micropayments, uh, which, is, uh, which is something that Hedera is extremely well suited for given our, our throughputs. Uh, we have Mingo, that's a messaging application. Um, we have uh, CU Ledger, uh, like I mentioned, the credit union consortium in the U.S. They are using, uh, while, while they have uh, built applications on the private permission ledger side of uh, the business, they are also using our public ledger to settle cross-border payments with credit unions in other parts of the world. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's really a, a wide variety of uh, applications um, we we do have um, Alto is a is a gaming company uh, so they are using our our ledger uh, for uh, for transferring gaming assets um, so yeah it's really a it's a really broad range of applications uh, sounds interesting um, so since you're the head of Asia in terms of your focus on Asia are there any particular things that you're trying to do here yeah, so we have, um, so our, our mandate here in Asia um, encompasses a, a few different things. Uh, obviously, building uh, awareness uh, of the platform uh, across the different countries and, and languages that exist in, in Asia. Um, but, and, and the other piece is bringing in more council members from the, the Asia-Pacific region. Um, and... And the third thing is really just building up our developer community uh, across this, the region as well. So, um, 
Next week, we are running uh, Hedera 18. Hedera 18 is our developers conference uh, that's going to be held in Dallas. But concurrent to that, we are running uh, nine hackathons around the world. So in, in Asia, those hackathons will be in Singapore and in Bangalore. Uh, but even after Hedera 18, uh, we expect that we'll be running hackathons uh, throughout different countries in the, in the APEC region. Awesome. So before we wrap up, is there anything that you'd like to share with the audience that we may not have covered during the interview? Yeah, no, I, uh, I, well, first of all, I'd like to, to thank you for, for having me. Uh, I, you know, for the audience, I would like to uh, invite them to, to check out Hedera 18, uh, our, our conference. It will be live streamed uh, across the globe. So anyone can just go on the website and, and watch it. And uh, if you are a developer, I'd love to invite you to come to participate in our hackathons. Awesome. I'll, I'll link it up. What, what is the date? I'll try to, uh, I'm not sure when exactly this podcast is going live, but I'll try to make sure that there's some sort of publicity for this hackathon um, on the different social media platforms, um, whatever I can help you guys out. Um, oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, the hackathon is October 15th and 16th and the conference is on October 17th. Okay. Awesome. Um, yep. I think that's a good note to end the interview. Um, Edgar, thank you very much for taking the time out to speak with us. Thanks for having me here. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram, and subscribe to our newsletter on decrypt.asia. This is your host, Tashar. Thank you for listening.